say what's up to the world. I want to say what's up. Greetings, salute to the United States, everybody overseas who's checking us out. I want to give a special shout out to Van Silk and Cool Kyle uh, when it was hip hop. Um, doing our thing once again, Wednesday night, this is DJ 360 on the 360 bars, 360 bars show. And I got I to gotta let y'all know, this is, this is another epic night. Doing it again. Now, we, we've been, we've been um, taking trips along the East Coast. You know, on the show, we've talked to the likes of, you know, Cool Mo D, Curtis Blow, Big Daddy Kane, The Fearless Four, on and on and on, Cool Kyle, The Star Child, all the way down to MC Shop Rock, Fly Tie from Cool, Cold Chilling Records last week. But we are going to jump once again. We're going to get on that airplane and, and, and head to the West Coast. Now, for all of you that know, you've heard of, um, a lot of the hip-hop icons from the West Coast. You've heard of the Ice Cubes and the, the Dr. Dre's, and you've heard of the Two Shorts and the Ice T's and even to Disco Daddy. As a matter of fact, the artist that I have on this line, the artist, the pioneer, the godfather, keyword, the godfather that I have on the line, mentioned this artist named Disco Daddy in an interview that I checked out not too long ago. And I did an interview with Disco Daddy that will appear after this interview. Um, and it's going to give you a whole lot of information about the West Coast rhyme scene, the West Coast DJ scene, the West Coast hip-hop scene as a whole. But all of you that have heard about the West Coast movement all the way back in the days, from all the way back in the days, and you've seen the movie Straight Outta Compton, 
you've got to know that there's a beginning to this era. There's a, there's a beginning to that whole time frame. And the NWA that we're talking about today doesn't have anything to do with niggas with attitude necessarily at the beginning. It did eventually turn into that. But the NWA that we're talking about today on the 360 Bar Show right here on uh, When It Was Hip Hop, we're talking about another, none other than NWA standing for not without Alonzo. So on the line, we have the pleasure to sit down and talk to the West Coast godfather of hip-hop, Mr. Alonzo Williams. How you doing, sir? I'm doing fantastic. I'm just a king trying to claim his crown. That's all, baby. That's right. That's right. And, and, and you know what? Um, it's, it's amazing that uh, people such as yourself have, have that staying power and that, with, that long withstanding to be able to be here to, in, in, in the millennium still talking about and still doing things that you love when it comes to this music, when it comes to entertainment. So for all of the people that don't know, I'm sure everybody in the world has an understanding, but give them an understanding for the listeners out there who are listening to this show who Lonzo William is and what his contribution is to the entertainment industry. You know, um, I have to describe myself as the cool herc of West Coast, the Don Cornelius of West Coast, the Barry Gordy of West Coast, and the original Lonzo of West Coast, because uh, I did a few things that, <laughs> that opened the doors for the other players. Um, when it comes to the record, the DJing, I've been DJing since 1976 out in the parks, uh, doing all the disco dances at all the various hotels and uh, wherever we can plug, find electricity. And that sometimes was, was a trick within itself. Later I got a nightclub. I started promoting shows with Curtis Blow. I bought Curtis Blow's first plane ticket to California. Same wow. thing with Run DMC. Uh, uh, Davey DMX, Curtis Blow's DJ, taught my boy, Dr. Dre and DJ Yella, how to uh, scratch on turntables. We wasn't scratching up, up until Davey D came to town. When I brought Curtis, he brought Davey D with him. Davey D was here, and he showed them how to, how to, how to scratch on the turntables. Um, uh, later on, I decided to open a, uh, start my own record label. And uh, because I'm a kid of the 60s, I grew up on the Temptations and the Dramatics and folks like that, and I wanted to be in a group, but I can't sing. And I'm like, well, here's my chance to be in a group, but uh, I'm the only one that has some money, and I was the only one. I'm like, in the way in the world, I'm going to spend this money and not be in this group. So uh, after uh, all my consultants and mentors were like, dude, you can't be in the group and on the record label. Why not? Uh, or, what is, it don't happen. Barry Gordy wasn't in the Temptations. Well, Barry Gordy ain't Lonzo. So I, I, I created something. I started something that never been done before. I'm, you know, independent label, and I'm, I'm in the group. So it's like Monday through Friday, I'm having a record business, dropping off records, taking orders Friday and Saturday night. And which that when Easy watched me do that, he Easy started doing it. Uh, then Puffy started doing it, and it became uh, a regular, uh, a regular situation where it was not uncommon for the actual label owner or the head of the company to be a part of the entertainment group because, you know, with a different generation now. So I started doing all these things and in doing this, not being afraid to be the first one. And sometimes being the first one, you can, you can get your head beat up a little bit, but sometimes you can, you know, you can inadvertently become a pioneer as well. And that's kind of my claim to fame. I'm not a great rapper, but I'm, I'm, I got balls. I got heart and I, you know, I ain't afraid yeah. to do what I, what I want to do. You know, right. that separated me from the, from most of the cats. 
Right, and and I read your book. You know, a lot of people out there read your book, and and I can see the fearlessness, man. I, I read in the book. I don't want to give it away to some people who haven't read it yet, but for times where you've had to face um, face your fears a little bit, and 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 actually dominated the situation. Um, now you said you know being the first, sometimes you could get beaten the head a little bit. Talk a little bit about you know give some education to the people about you know if you are the first to innovate something, if you do have an idea. How many? How much loss have you taken, or how many not you know knocks back or steps back have you taken before you were able to see success? Because um, you know a lot of people are not born with a silver spoon in their mouth. So in order for you to get to where you are, how, how did how did you take losses and, and, and keep going and be persevering? You know, I'm first to tell you, I, my, my mom and dad was. I come from a regular household. You know, I come from a a, a basic household. I don't have yeah. no story to not eating and be, you know, living in the dark. My old man was at the house and I was 15 years old, so I don't have them kind of horror stories. My mom took me to live in the But my old man was a hustler. You know, he, he had yeah. two jobs. He, he had a job and a hustle, and he told me every man needs a job and a hustle. The job take care of your family. The hustle take care of what you want to do. Basically, he was telling me you have to have multiple streams of income. It wasn't, it wasn't described like that back then. And, you know, um, once I understood what he was saying, I started, I, you know, uh, but he also, my mom always told me, be your old man. My old man wanted me to work with Caltrans and, you know, on the freeway. And my, my mom said, do what you feel is best for you. So that was one I thought as a young man. My mom passed early, so my dad was kind of running my life. And, you know, I was always a daddy's boy. And uh, so, you know, but he taught me how to do things. You know, and I laughed. And I also feel sorry for so many of the young men today that don't have any basic skills. You know, right. so um, I didn't have no money, but I had a lot of skills. I knew how to build stuff. I knew what to, as, as, a, as a kid, I used to make my own go-karts and skateboards. And so it taught me how to think. And, and once you learn how to think and use your brain and take things to people, take things from different people and apply them to what you want to do, you'd be surprised at what you come up with. I didn't have no money. I just right. was always a straight shooter, and sometimes in trying to do something that you don't know what you're doing, because you don't know what you're doing, you can be accused of doing things that you didn't intend to do. Okay, right. And in in the, right. in the early days, they thought I was people thought I was ripping off Dre. Them, dude, I didn't know nothing about no publishing. I didn't know nothing about no writers. We just made records. Okay, right. you know, we just yeah. we just made records. We made them. They was black. I sold them at the stores, and I gave them what I, you know, I, I take I take half because I put up all the money, and they spent the rest right. of it. Okay, we didn't have no, yeah. what no, what no QuickBooks back then, what no, no, no accounting system. We talking about the the early eighties, I mean, uh, the mid eighties. Um, what no way of really keeping account of it. And like I said before, I spend my money, I get my money back, and I spend mm-hmm. with them fifty fifty. But they they had to split up the other fifty percent amongst themselves because I had to have money to keep operating. And right, oh man, right. what happened to the publisher? What happened? You know, later on, three or four years later, after we'd made juice and surgery, we heard about publishing. What the fuck? What the hell is publishing? Okay, and you know, I'm learning as I go. And you know, but you got people on the sidelines. Who, oh man, you did this. You did no man. I didn't do that. Well, but it didn't help. What? Oh, and this is the part that you have to understand. Because I was a good hustler, never sold no dope. I had I was mm-hmm. I was fortunate to get a nightclub at 22 years old, and I made a nice bit of change, nice piece of change in a short amount of time. Okay, 
and I was in, I invested in the record industry, okay, and I uh, also we got a record deal right behind that. So I had a couple hundred G's at like 27, 28 years old. So for me to buy a house and a BMW back then, and they still living with their mamas, I'm ripping everybody off. What they, they, they forgot was Lonzo had money when he had the club. So I didn't need right. their club. So it, it was, you know, it was, it was a lot, a lot of times, especially when you come from the hood, you got so many folks that's getting used to ripped up, getting ripped off. They expect right. you to be getting ripped off, okay? So right. my basic lifestyle, they weren't privy to what I, what I had prior to getting into the record business. All they know is I moved from my old house, which I bought from my mom and my dad from my mom passed, and uh-huh. uh, I sold it, had a few bucks, bought me a bigger house, okay? That, that That's the house that you see in Straight Outta Compton, the, the one that uh, – Easy did all the demos in. That's the studio I still have right now. I'm outside right now sitting on my deck doing this interview. So, oh, wow. you know, I, will, I learned consistency. I learned consistency uh, at a young age, being responsible. And, uh, you know, some people call it consistency. Some people call it complacency. I'm cool. Right. I'm cool where, where I'm at. Don't you, don't you, don't, people always want to figure out how, your, how you should live your life based on what they would don't live your life. I can't live my life at your on your rules. I live my life. It's always been my claim to fame. I do I do things my way. Right. You know, and exactly. once you once you under, once you understand that, and you know, people, oh man, what about this? What about that? I don't worry about that. I worry about me. Okay, I take care of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good to have some uh, some motivation, but you can't focus on what somebody else is doing or what somebody else got because you'll find yourself crazy as hell. Okay. Right. Be thankful. Right. Find out what your assets are. Find out what your assets are, and expound and grow on that. Okay. I tell anybody, wow. you know, once right. you understand right. your assets, once mm. you understand your assets and your benefits, because you know you may not own a nightclub, you may have the ability to talk real well. You may have the ability to uh, draw whatever your asset is. You know, whatever your your blessing is, whatever your gift is. Grow that gift, and you'd be surprised at how how um, God will take you where you want to go. Right, right, amazing, amazing. Now, looking at the fact that you spent your your career spans over this thirty year period, thirty plus years, but and there you go, thirty plus. Yeah, thirty plus, and the people out here, even my daughter, who's twelve years old now, she was ten when the movie Straight Outta Compton came out, and she said that Dad, NWA is my favorite group now. She's been listening to, you know, I've been having to get the clean versions or whatnot. But talk about the fact that you had something to do with the birth and the beginnings of the careers of a lot of artists that we all consider legends, from the from the Rodney Owen, Joe Cooley's to the um, to the to the NWA's, Ice Cube, KD. The list goes on and on when it comes to West Coast um, music. How does it feel, or what do you look at? as being the, the key point that kept you in the game for so long and still wanting to do this, even though there's been ups and downs and changes with social media, the game has changed a lot. What made you say, you know what, this is what, uh, did you still, do you still have the same passion that you had at the beginning, knowing that this is what your <laughs> career has been? <laughs> yeah, it's funny you should ask me that, Doc. Um, you know, um, I, was, I've, I became an entertainment magnet because I had a nightclub at an early age. I was, I'm, and, I, and I laugh at the guys now. I'm 60 years old. The guys that work for me 
are like 55, 54 years old, 56. But at that time, I was 22. They were 17. You follow me? Wow. So, right. you know, it, it seemed like I was a lot older than them. And I'm laughing last night at one of the guys that came by the club. I said, man, how old are you now? He said, I'm 55. I'll be 56 next week. I'm like, dude. And it, it, But I've always seemed older than them because they were always kids. I'm, I'm a grown man. They're still in high school. So right. when, you, um, when you've been around and you've seen various generations in, in the evolution of music like I have. I, again, I was born in the 50s, raised on the 60s music. Uh, by the time I got ready to start hanging out in the 70s, I wanted to be a militant. Then the disco era hit, okay? Then comes the mm-hmm. funk era. Then comes the hip-hop era, the gangster rap era, and now we get into the trap era. And, and, and because I've been a DJ for 40 years, over damn near 40 years, 39 years plus, well, 39, about 39, 40 years, I've seen so many um, different entertainment styles evolve, and it's really amazing for me to sit back and watch. I've been on the same corner. Now, I'm back on the corner of Alvarado Segundo. I took, took over the, my old club, Eve After Dark, almost 10 uh-huh. years ago now. I've been, been back there, and I still do the entertainment. I still have my studio. So I'm constantly finding myself, surrounding myself by uh, different producers, different uh, artists, different dance styles and, and different uh, classes and groups of people. Last night I had a thing at the club, and I was telling my partner this morning, I said it's amazing how I had, we have the same age group of people, but the mindsets are so different, okay? And, and, and mm-hmm. these are the things that this is kind of my passion, just to study people. As a DJ, if you're a good DJ, well, I'm sorry, an old school DJ like myself, you weren't trying to – scratch and do a lot of stuff. So you sit back and you watch people, you had to observe people, how they interacted while you played your music to figure out what was working and what wasn't working. So I learned to be a people watcher, okay? And not that I don't DJ as much, but my job as the club owner is to watch the body, the, the, the vibe of the crowd to make sure nobody, nothing about to jump off. And right. when, you see the, when you see different situations, like I remember – Back in the uh, in the nineties, we had a lot more fights in the club because people was drinking alcohol. Okay. Okay. Now right, right. more people smoke weed. Okay. People don't fight as much. People don't fight on weed. No, anybody gonna say, "Let me go and hit this hit this blunt right quick, whoop this nigga's ass." They don't do that. Right. Okay. Right. They don't do that. Right. So the cat may the cat may say, man, I ain't, man, fuck that nigga. I'm going to I'm going to the house. Okay. Yeah, right, well, right. somebody will take a shot of tequila to, to the head, take a, a shot of tequila and a bottle of Corona to the head. Next thing you know, the bottle's applied somebody's head. So when, you, when you've when you been able to um, be around and see so much, especially I got kids. I got, you know, kids. I got a couple of teenagers. So I watch out not only for my own education but uh, for their benefit. So right. that's that's probably my passion. Plus, I think my biggest passion is to see how much trying to try to pass on my knowledge and information to these young these young men because so many so many young men in the community gonna get caught up, okay? And they they don't even know it. They dick can be their best friend or their worst enemy. If you best right. get the wrong girl pregnant, your life just changed forever. And most of them don't realize that. Okay, right, right. so my, my big my big thing right now, my passion right now is being a young man because I see how the system 
uh, got them in their sights financially, uh, socially, physically, you know, and it just, it just, uh, that's something that I was, I was brought up on mentorship. Okay, I was brought up on mentorship, yeah. but they didn't call them mentors back then. They called them, they called them dad. They called them the club owner. They called them your first manager, uh, the manager at yeah. your job. Now everything has a title to it, and um, I as look as I look back on my life, I just how many people I had mentored, including Easy E and Dr. Dre and Easy and uh, Ice Cube, because I was the big dog at the time. They watching right. me buy houses. They watching me buy BMW. They watching me live. Uh, uh, a job-free lifestyle, and if Lalo can do it, I can too. But I'm gonna do it like yeah. this. I'm gonna be, I'm, I'm gonna be a little more thuggish. Okay, I never right, was so, a thug. Okay, go ahead. Right. right, right. So if we, if we, for those, of, for for those out there who are listening, um, I want to talk about the era of time when you come in contact. We're gonna take it back just a little bit. When you come in contact with Dr. Dre, when you come in contact with clientele, when you come in contact with DJ Yella, and it's safe to say, and um, from the beginning, if there was no world-class, actually, if there was no Lonzo Williams, if then there was no world-class wrecking crew, I'm going to all, I'm going to go all the way to say that there would probably be no aftermath, because everything that happened in between and prior to that had something to do with a foundation that began in the world-class wrecking crew camp. So talk about that real quick, as far as your first interactions with um, getting Dr. Dre into um, Dudos or Eve after uh, Dudos and 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 um, creating the world class wrecking crew with DJ Yella and Dre and all the rest of the guys and how that kind of came about and then move us into the NWA um, era and how those two cultures kind of either contrasted or they kind of were the same or or different. Let 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 me say this to your to your listeners first. People don't realize how far back me and Dre go. Dre's dad lived on the same street that I did. We, we grew uh-huh. up in the same neighborhood, on the same block, okay? His dad is about seven, eight years older than I am, okay? But his dad and my older sister was friends, okay? This, I, I tell this story, I told Dre this story about three weeks ago, and I was at his, at his house. I said, you don't understand how far we go back, dude. I mean, you just didn't meet me. I know your whole, you know, I know your dad's whole family, okay? Right. I used to right. you know, hang out with your uncles. I was trying to bone your, your auntie, dude, okay? But, you know, she wouldn't <laughs> give me none. So we go back like that, okay? So when Dre came to the club, I didn't really know Dre, but I knew I, when he said the last name was Young, you know my dad, you know my people, Theodore and Lloyd and Floyd and Deborah. Oh, yeah, I know you are. You are Theodore's son. Yeah, man. He wasn't dressed right. He had easy with him. And Dre was cool. I said, look, man, y'all can't come in. In fact, I just, re- I just re- reenacted this same scene for my, uh, for my, uh, my uh, documentary. And I told them they could have, if they came back and when change folks, they came back, I let them in. So they came back the next week and Dre was Dre was dressed right, easy wasn't. That same night, uh, Dre ended up on my turntable and uh I tell I tell people all the time, I control who went on my played on my turntables. And right. I, I don't know. Okay, 'cause he, he supposed to go through with me to do that. Okay? And I looked right. up there. He was doing this mix, and uh, everybody had stopped dancing. Like I said in the, in the movie, uh, in the documentary, um, The Fine Ones, he had everybody dancing, but they was dancing confused because they were like, what is this nigga doing? He was playing yeah. Mr. Postman and this breakbeat. And uh, it was – it was, it was, it was, Rhythm Tracks, right? Jive Rhythm Tracks, right. 22? 
Yeah. Right. The first time we ever heard somebody do that. And I'm like, that's some dope. That's some, that, well, the word wasn't dope, but that's, that's shit. What's he doing? And this okay. is how I was introduced to Dre. Okay, DJ Yella, um, we used to have a very serious advertising. That was all on the on posters. And uh, But he brought, man, he brought back hundreds of posters. I had to give him like 50 bucks. Imposter. So he hung around, and one of my other DJs left and went to Texas, Dr. Rock. And yeah. Yellow said he was a DJ. He wasn't that great, and I gave him a shot. And, you know, I taught him a little thing. He was able to hold on with his own clientele. I met him in a contest at Eve After Dark. Everybody, was, everybody came, everybody who I met was a customer of Eve After Dark, okay? Clientele won a contest at Eve After Dark. And he was such a good, articulate rapper. I said, well, I got to put him on my team. He got to be on my team. And um, when I, when he, when he, uh, that's what I, right before I, uh, I just did my first record called Slice, Clientele did the rap for me, Yellow did the beat. Okay. Okay. At that, at that time, I was just going um, to be a record executive. And when we made surgery, I'm like, forget this. I'm, 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 join, I'm, I'm joining the crew, too. So, um, that's how we all came together, okay, as wow. the world-class wrecking crew. Yep. As a matter of fact, let's stop right there because you just segued into our first song break. I want you to talk about um, surgery for about 10 seconds. We're going to go right into it. Surgery by the world-class wrecking crew. Um, talk about the energy that it took to create that, and then we'll go right into it. Uh, surgery was a song that we made up. Um, my intentions were to make a record about everybody in the wrecking crew. You know, the yellow hat slice. Dre came in. We was gonna make uh we made surgery, and because Dre's um the doctor theme gave us so many different angles to go to, we came up with surgery, and um you know clientele wrote the rap and you know just cutting and the scratching you know it all works with operating and whatever the case may be and that's how we got surgery, and uh wow. it was our first big radio record and first big big club record. And it got us on the got us on the road to being world class wrecking crew. There it is, there it is, right there. And here we go. We about to go into it right now here on the three hundred three hundred sixty bar show. When it was hip hop with the legendary Godfather of West Coast hip hop, a hip hop icon altogether, the legendary Lonzo Williams on the line. We're going into it right now with world class wrecking crew surgery. Let's go. Records, mixer, turntables, speakers. Records, mixer, turntables, speakers. Dream to surgery. Uh, uh. 
Dope, dope, dope. And we're back. DJ 360, when it was hip-hop. Shout out to Van Silk and Cool Kyle. We got the legendary Lonzo on the line. You still with me, big homie? All right here, baby. Hanging like a chandelier trying to shine. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Now, now we just listened to Surgery, and you said that you wanted to do a record with or on all the guys in the crew. So what was uh, DJ Yella's song that was like his marquee song? It was called Slice. DJ, it was okay. called Slice. It was my first record, first, first, our first legitimate record on Crew Cut Records, and um, it was kind of patterned after Run um, um, uh, um That's the way it is, something like that. It was, it was basically a beat. It was just drums and scratching with nothing else, okay? And uh, that was my first record. That was Yellow's first record, and he was proud of that record. And uh, it, it was just one of them things, man, that we just uh, – we had a unique, we had a uh, unique idea. Unfortunately, we never got a chance to uh, complete it. But you know, it's all part of the history, man. And with that being said, we're gonna take another song break. We're gonna pause right here and go right into Juice. You know what I'm saying? We're gonna go into Juice, World Class Record Crew. We're on the line with the Godfather of West Coast Hip Hop, Lonzo Williams. He got the book. I read the book. Y'all go out and get the book, man. It's called Not Without Lonzo. The real, in, the letters that stand for. Um, not without Lonzo are the same letters that go with this 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 iconic hip hop group that we know and love that's been enshrined in in the heart, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame NWA. But the NWA we're talking about today is not without Alonzo Williams. So let's go into it. Juice right here on the 360 Bar Show. When it was hip hop, let's go. we played Turn Off the Lights. And I want to touch on that for a moment because that was, um, I think, the, the, one of the groundbreaking songs in the discography of the World Class Record Crew. Um, we played that at the beginning of the show. And I want to talk about that song and the impact it had on the careers of everyone in the group and how this young lady, I, I had a chance to interview her name. was Michelle A., ladies and gentlemen. I had a chance to uh, interview Michelle A., and she talked about the song and her, and, you know, her involvement in it. 
But I want to get your take on um, turn off the light and how that kind of put a spark in anything dealing with your crew and how, how it worked out. Contrary to what you saw in Michelet movie, I didn't discover her in no in no in no store singing to socks and shit like that. That wasn't that wasn't the case. Um, wow. Somebody brought Michelle to me, and I, about a year later, I uh, looked her up, and she was still available. Now the first time in the studio, and contrary to what she says, she didn't get it the first time. It wasn't ain't nobody. Everybody wants to be a hero and make these miracle moves. No, it wasn't that kind of party. Anyway, um, wow. at the time we at the time we made turn off the lights. The crew was going through some uh, some, some a lot of uh, turmoil. Okay, okay. we were signed. Okay. We, we had just got dropped from CBS. We weren't gigging anymore. We had the, the our whole calendar had dried up. Everybody in my house looking at me, and I, I uh, from our first album, Lover. I mean, uh, World Class, our first album, our biggest hit. Contrary to people, um, our biggest radio hit. Contrary. What people may think was not surgery and juice. It was lovers. Lovers got us more gigs than surgery and juice ever did. Okay, because it showed a different side of world class wrecking crew. And I said, look, we need to make another record. Oh man, we got to go hardcore. We got to, you know, do like Run DMC. I'm like, no, 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 no. We just got through. Uh, we just um, had a nice little run of gigs off this one song. Let's do another ballad. They fought. They they didn't want to do it. And uh, I had to pull the executive move. I'm putting my money on another slow song. And this is why they talk about it in the movie. I'm betting on this slow song, okay? And um, I ain't doing that until I get some money. So I had to bribe these cats to get in the studio to make this record. Because Makoda had screwed us out of some money on House Calls, the House Calls EP. We was owed money on that. They hadn't got no money for that. It was a long ass. It was horrible, okay? So we went in the studio, and because it was a, it was a, um, it was like, all right, do this or else. Or this, or this, I'm, I'm sorry, it was more of a, it's our last time fucking with you until we get some more money. Okay, I had my last, I bet my house note. I put my house note on this shit. I, I didn't pay my house note this month. I went on put it on this record, and the record was made. And shortly after that, they we split up. The crew split up. Drayton went their way. They went to Ruthless. I mean, they started hanging out with Eric. My house just got empty all of a sudden. Nobody came wow. to the house. Nobody was calling. Nobody was doing nothing. And this is like in December, uh, October, November. Well, back then, the record uh, radio stations shut down their playlist. They stopped playing Christmas music and holiday music from November to January. And we shipped out a bunch of records in October trying to beat that deadline for October, November. Well, right. um, in January of, two, of, of 87, everybody and his mama started playing Turn Off the Lights. It became like the national Negro anthem on black radio. <laughs> I got a hit record, and I don't have a group. I ain't got wow. no group. They gone, okay? Now, wow. what, people don't, what, people don't, what people don't know also is that Jerry Heller was – was the manager for World Class Wrecking Crew before he managed NWA. In fact, I'm right. the one that introduced Jerry Heller to Easy E. If you get the book, you'll hear all these stories. So 
Jerry Heller was. Uh, I got hits. I got people calling for gigs, and I'm I'm kind of I'm, I'm I'm a little depressed because I ain't got no group. I ain't got nobody in my house. I'm sitting by myself. You know, you I'm I'm used to having ten, fifteen people around my pad all the time. I'm by myself most of the time. Me and I ain't got no dog or nothing. Shit, just me. So <laughs> Jerry called. Hey man, we got these gigs. I don't do no gigs, Jerry. Come on, now we got this gig. I don't do no gig. I'm I'm playing the Prince role, right? I'm thinking I'm Prince. And uh, I, after about eh. Alonzo, I'm getting I, I'm I'm getting offers for five G's for you to come out here and do these gigs. So I'm like, after about forty, fifty thousand dollars with the gigs, I didn't, Jerry got on my ass. Said, man, what you gonna do? You gonna sit there and feel sorry for yourself or go make some money? I said, forget it. I'm gonna go on and make me some money. And I grabbed Battle Cat, guy named mm-hmm. Richie Rich, used, used to be the LA Dream Team, and Mona Lisa, and we hit the road. Now, because Jerry Heller is our manager, he's booking us with NWA. People coming oh, wow. to see record. People coming to see record crew. NWA is my opening act. Okay. Okay. They getting okay. They getting fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars. We getting five thousand, sixty five hundred, seventy five hundred. Okay. And it's crazy because it's the most uncomfortable thing you can imagine. It's like going to the prom with your ex girlfriend, or going to lunch with your ex, uh, to dinner with your ex girlfriend and her new boyfriend. Okay. Right. It's, a, it's right. A, you know, you know, Battle Cat was a kid. He, you know, he was just you know filling in for, for uh, whoever. Richie Rich wasn't. In, he wasn't involved in this stuff. Monday rolled with me before, but the, but then we all on the same planes, the same buses. We ain't speaking. Wow. It was wow. it was just man. It was the most. And so this kind of stuff right here was like uh, another retroactive fuel. I wasn't hating on them. But because they weren't getting the same love, I'm getting all the radio interviews. I'm getting all the girls. You know, it's it's you know, cause they came to see World Class Record Crew. Okay, I can imagine. I can imagine. I can imagine the feeling, the, the right. feeling that, that that Dr. Dre and Yellow had looking, looking right. like. Wait a minute, you know what I'm saying? But whatever the right. turmoil was in the group that had them split and go their separate ways, they had to just. It seemed like they just had to eat that and and just take it. You know. And, and, see, and see, for me, at, at, right, I said, at this point in time, um, and look, look how they're looking at me. This nigga, don't, he, he, you know, he just don't give a fuck. And I, di- I didn't. I was a different cat back then. I didn't. Get, you left me. I didn't, I didn't fire y'all. Y'all left. So if y'all want to roll with this little dude right here, fine. Go ahead and do your thing. Now, later on, you know, they, they came up. And it was, you know, all that was fuel to, uh, for them to, you know, do better and, and, um, and come up and make their thing happen. I ain't mad at them. Yeah. Okay. But at that time, it was just a very uncomfortable time for everybody involved, and it 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 kind of it kind of tore us apart as homies mm-hmm. because you know uh, they're doing this gangster thing, and 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 here's the crazy part about it. Now, I'm on tour with NWA, Just Ice, Ice T. I'm the only non-gangster rapper. Get uh, nine gangster act on the whole damn thing, okay, on the whole show, and it got then it got crazy for me because at the end of the show, uh, we started experiencing things we never did before. Folks is fighting and stabbing and shooting. I ain't never been in no shit like this. I don't do this, okay? You know, I'm, I ain't never been no thug, okay? I ain't done some gangster shit in my life, but I ain't no thug, okay? Right. And now we 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 got to get stuck around to hotels. Can't tell nobody where the hotel is. Because, you know, for fear folks are going to come in and, you know, shoot the hotel up or run up on somebody, I don't do this. So after uh, after about four or five gigs like that, he finally started booking us with some shows that was more our speed. 
but you know, for about two or three months there, it was really, really uncomfortable, and it took us a long time to get over that, man, because we didn't talk. You know, we never talked to, on the whole time we was on tour. We didn't really speak to each other. We see each other nod our head with our with our and keep on pushing. Okay. I, I had Battle Cat in with me and Drano, and uh, they was doing their own thing. So, you know, it just, Michelle, um, here I am with a hit record, and then uh, Michelle not singing on the tour. Nobody knew who she was, but I'm mad at her because she signed a Rufus and not wrecking that crew cut. So you know it was a lot of it was a lot of bullshit going on. Okay, yeah, you know so what, it was a lot point, of bullshit. So, so at what point did all of that res- dissolve? Because I've never heard uh, Dr. Dre or anybody diss Lonzo Williams. You know, back then when you when something happened like that when it came to the business, even with when when Dre left Ruthless, you know there was a uh, you know a legendary diss back and forth, and then um, on and on and on in hip hop. You know, but he's never had anything publicly bad to say about Lonzo Williams. So at what point did your relationship with Dre mend to where now you're saying they were at his house two weeks ago or talking to him recently? So at what point in history did it, say, did it become like, okay, this, this, we, 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 still, we were homies first, and now, you know. You know, it, um, I would think, man, after Straight out of Compton, well, uh, after Straight out of Compton, because up until then, me and Dre, Dre don't come to the hood. I don't go to Malibu, so you know we don't cross paths. We never had a we never me and Dre never had a crossword in our entire life. Okay, we'd have debates, we'd have discussions. We never had a cross like we never had no man. Fuck you, no. We never did that. Okay. Okay. So right. you know Dre was always kind of my favorite in the Wrecking Crew because you know I bought him a car, I bought him his first car. He had unlimited access to my studio. You know. Uh, Yellow, Yellow was cool with me too, but you know, Yellow would fuck up sometimes. Dre was, you know, he was more dedicated to what he did, and Shakespeare came in last, so you know, he had his own thing. He already had, he was a grown ass man when he joined Wrecking Crew and clientele that left. So Dre was kind of my favorite. He, he, Dre wouldn't be afraid to ask me for what he wanted, okay? And if I had it, I would okay. give it to him because I know he was always, he was always doing stuff for me. You know, we'd always hang out, blah blah blah. So a lot of what people thought our problem was was people's own interpretation of what they thought. They thought Lava took all the money. No, I, if Lava took all the money, Lava would be the billionaire, not, not, not Dre, shit. So <laughs> right, in, right. Seeing, in seeing Dre at the uh, Straight Outta Compton uh, movie, at, at the shoot, we had a chance to talk for about 45 minutes. And he, had, you know, he hadn't, uh, you know, I hadn't seen him. We just talked about forty-five minutes, and I'm there with my son, and I brought my boy, unknown DJ. So to see us there, he brought back memories. It, the brother lit up. We lit up. We were glad to see him. I didn't know how he was gonna react to me. I don't know. I've been hearing shit too. So when I saw him, yeah. he's like, "Oh shit, Lazo!" And we kicked it. You know, we just kicked it. And then uh, again, when they decided to do the defiant ones. Um, I had an interview with Dre, and I did like a six-hour interview for that doggone documentary. And, you wow. know, he saw a lot of what I said, and he realized, ain't no under, dude, ain't no animosity here. I would think he would realize, ain't no animosity. I'm proud of you, dude. I mean, how can I, get, how can I be not proud of somebody that I was a part of their career to be a billionaire, okay? Right. I can't right. get mad about that, man. That, that, that's, only, that's another feather in my cap. Uh, again, this another this is another player moment. You don't you know, you don't hate somebody else's success even if you ain't immediately benefited from it, but you take that and you work with roll with that, okay? Another right, another right. teachable moment here. So, um after the documentary I, I kept you know 
after that, I kept we kept seeing each other, and it was always, you know, a cool interaction. I don't ask nobody. I never ask nobody for nothing. I, if I did, I probably if I did, I probably have a lot more money than I do right now. I've always been self self sponsored, self financed, huh? and um, right. kind of an independent cat. So. I you know I ain't I ain't going after nobody for no money you know if I like you I like you I, I want you to like me if you like me for Lonzo then cool I don't want somebody like me because they think I'm like oh you the guy for Musk Hip Hop what could you do for me nah miss, miss me with that and that's how I treat him so <laughs> yeah after the documentary I did have an idea because I'm trying to do a movie I'm doing a documentary already but after, uh, but I'm trying to do a movie and I really want to do a television show on. Uh, how this Compton thing came up because one thing one, one thing I can say, seeing knowing what I know, seeing what I've seen, my story is to get down that you used to be on HBO is to get down yeah. is the wire and it's empire and power all wrapped up in the one. Okay. Wow. And I, and when I, a friend of mine pulled my chain, he said, Lonzo, uh, Apple just set aside a billion dollars for new content, and I'm like, well, I need to call Alec Dre. Maybe he can introduce me to somebody over at Apple. And that's why I reached out for him. So I reached out to Dre through the same people he used to reach out to me for the documentary, which was Game's mama, which is a good friend of mine, and his sister. And not, not, when he called me back the same night, I, looked, I started looking for him that afternoon. By 9 o'clock that night, we was on the phone talking, okay? And he said, man, it's, it's funny you should call me because – your name has been mentioned in a few things hit the office. What did I do? And because of my performance in uh, in uh, the fire ones, they thought it's it's a Dre and a Jimmy Dre and Allen thought it was, it was a project that you know a part in the project that I may be good for. And I thought that was amazing right there. I mean, I'm calling him for something else. So that's how mm. we hooked up. You know, that's how wow. – and, and this is what I tell people all the time, man. You don't know what somebody is thinking, so, you, you know, sometimes it's best to listen before you speak, okay? Right, right, <laughs> right. Shut the fuck up and listen, okay? And right, when he told me, you know, that's, he yeah, tells me – that's, that's why we have – go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, he, he tell me, come on, I got to go out of town for a couple of weeks. When I get back, we're going to hook up, and we'll talk about it. And that's what we did. And, you know – it was a uh, it was a great meeting for me, man. Because but here's the crazy part. Here's the crazy part. Even though I've been knowing this cat forever, on the way up to his house, I was nervous, man. Okay, I, was I understand that. This yeah. is, this is, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm telling people, I'm telling y'all this right now because this is it, it. Don't get no realer, okay? Yeah. I don't know nobody in Malibu. Okay. Fear of the un, was it the fear of the unknown? Like I don't know how he's gonna receive me or uh, how the conversation is gonna go. What was what was the nervousness about? Like what was the? It was it was all the above. It was all the above, man. I'm like, what he, what, what 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 he got for me to do? You know, how's this gonna change my life? How's this gonna affect my life? You know, it's a nice little ride in Malibu. You know, I like the ocean, the whole nine yards, and sometimes your mind can play tricks on you. You know. And, you know, I don't want to get to get there too early because I left L.A. an hour and a half early thinking traffic was going to be bad. I, I got to Malibu. It was 30 minutes early for, 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 us, for us to hook up. And, but when I saw him and he invited me into the pad, man, all that nervousness went away. And we just started chop, chopping it up like Lonzo and Trey, man. And, you know, yeah. and it was just it was, it was a great meeting to be able to sit down with your homie on his deck in Malibu. Looking over the ocean, ain't nothing between his house and the ocean but sand. And I'm like, wow, this is, dude, this has come a long way from eating chicken out of my refrigerator, man. 
Hey, you know, and we did. It's a long way from the RX-7, man. It's a long way from everything. Right. And I explained to him, you don't know your you don't know my history well enough to understand that it was a long road for you to get to where you are. I'm that first leg of that road that not only got you where you are, but the whole West Coast. And our story mm-hmm. is so cold. Our, our story is like nobody else because wasn't nobody checking for hip hop back in the day. Right. Wasn't nobody, right. Checking, wasn't nobody checking for hip hop on the West Coast. So if guys like me didn't start making it happen, it don't happen. They right. they, they wrote us off in seven, and they wrote us off in, in 1981. They wouldn't give us a record deal. So every everybody that you could think of on the West Coast, L.A. Dream Team, uh, or Class Record Crew, Egyptian Lover, we all had our own record labels because nobody would give us a record deal. Right. There was only two guys in L.A. that had independent labels. That was Thesis Anderson and uh, my boy, um, uh, damn, Leon Haywood. Okay? He had events. Yeah. And these these were independent labels, and they weren't major. They weren't giving nobody no money. They they put you in the studio because they they uh, Leon owned the studio, but they weren't giving nobody no money. So I'm like, why would, why would I sign to him if I got my own money? So, right, right. And and you know, for me to work at a record distributor back in 1977 and learn record distribution from from the street level, not not knowing that one day this what I learned in from here is going to take me someplace else. Okay, you know these things. It's obviously in the book, but this has been my journey over the last past 40 years, not knowing I'm trying to pack the Eve out because it got a little slow for a minute by bringing Curtis Blow in, but his DJ, Davey D and Max, teaches Yella and Dre how to scratch, was changing the whole West Coast. Okay? That, right a, that, that is uh, an amazing piece of um, not only West Coast hip-hop history, but also hip-hop history as a whole, that Davey D and Max, um, who was down with the, the band Orange Crush and down with the Run DMC camp and Larry Smith and all them, he comes out to the West Coast and teaches two DJs how to scratch, and they become icons. So, and you know right. what else was amazing to me with the story you just told is how the table turned where you were in a position to change Dre's life at one point. And then now right. on your way up to Malibu, you're like, I wonder how my life is going to change dealing with this cat now, you know? And it changed. Right. It was good that no bridges were burned to where you still had access to Dr. Dre, who was now this megastar of this billionaire who you can have access to and make access to and maybe he can change your life in a way you know so i thought that right. was pretty dope you know i i, I told him i said man every time i t- t- post a picture with me and you on facebook they get 500 likes 500 to 700 likes every time people see this man okay yeah, yeah. he says i, I, I said, yeah do us every time we, people are so glad just to see us connected okay some of them, some yeah. people have their ulterior motives, but for the most part, people just, you know, it, it it makes them feel good that he still reach out for the cat who put him down in the first place, you know, right. and that's yeah. just a feel good story. That's just a feel good story, okay? Yeah, and that, you know, that says a lot it, about that says a lot that says a lot about not only your relationship with him, but also Dr. Dre being, you know, right now if I was trying to get in contact with him, it was, I would have to go through so many channels, but he still seems like he's a humble enough guy to still see what you got on your mind, you know. Right, right. That's exactly what it, what you want to do, man. What you trying to do? And I told him, you know, he he said something to me that blew me blew my mind. He said, "Man, look, I, I got more money than I'll ever spend. <laughs> I got more money than I'll ever spend. Whatever I do, 
have to do for the passion. I don't, I don't work for money no more. And I said, now right. I'm just grinning like a big-ass kid because I never heard anybody tell me that before. Okay? Wow. So I can buy anything I want to. Anything I want, I can go get. They'll deliver to my house. Okay? Damn. But, you know, whatever I do, I have to do it for money. I'm have to do it for passion. And yeah. I explained to him, I, t- I talked to him last week. I said, man, I'm working on that passion right now. I'm not doing this for me per se, but I'm doing, I want to do this because it's history that changed the world. And we was ground zero. We changed the world, man. We, 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 yeah. we changed the world. And it's like, I'm t- it's, it's like, it's like having, um, it's like being on the boat with Columbus when he came to America, knowing he was, got, he was lost. Okay. Uh, you know, right. it's like, it's like being, you know, here you are, a person that changed history, okay? Mm-hmm. But you only know so much of what you only know so much of what was done from your perspective, okay? Before you got there, I had to do this right here, okay? Now that may not that may not be important to a lot of people, but it may. But on the other hand, it would be very important to a whole lot of people because so many more people will be in my position than they'll be in your position. Okay. Right. right, you know, it's 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 three it's three men, my age right now, that are responsible for every person on every major player on the West Coast. Myself, Adrian Gregory, and Kelvin Anderson out of VIP Records. Between those three men, we changed the entire world world of West Coast hip hop and hip hop as general. Kelvin Anderson uh, was a man behind Long Beach. He had a studio okay. at his at his, uh, at his he, had, he owned the VIP Long Beach. He had the studio oh, okay. in the back. Snoop and and uh, and Warren G and Nate Dogg, all them cats uh, patronizing. I got the Compton card, okay. Dre and right. Easy and NWA and my boy Atrium, which is also featured in the Tupac movie. He had Tupac and Digital Underground. So between the three of us men, we are the 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 the, the trunks of the tree that that. Ran West Coast, okay? Now, ain't one of us a rapper. Ain't one of us uh, really a rapper. I, I don't consider myself no rapper per se. I can hold a beat. I can do my songs. But I won't be in no damn cypher, no contest, okay? <laughs> right, but right. we all were businessmen that saw something in these youngsters that went on to change the world, okay? And this part, I think, is very important from a mentoring standpoint is that just because I can't do it don't mean I can't help you do it. You follow me? Just because I don't, just because I can't do it, don't mean I can't provide you the opportunity to make something happen. But on the same token, excuse me, youngsters have to understand. In order for somebody to take you under their wing, you got to be wing worthy, man. You can't just be, you know, in in this department that I can't seem to get through to most to a lot of folks. You got to be wing worthy, man. Which means I got to, I got to be able to trust you when I'm not around. I told my guys, I got it, man. I got. A lot of stuff back here. I got all kind of controllers and cameras, whatever. I said, you could be an asshole and rip me off, okay? And mm-hmm. but that's like eating from the seed as opposed to eating from the fruit, okay? Right. If someone come up right. missing, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna lock the door. Every, uh, you'll never get in here again, okay? Just like I did, Dre. Dre had unlimited unlimited access to my studio, right? Okay, unlimited. That's what he. That's what he was able to. You know, back then, what no school of recording, what no school of engineering. You had to go back here and you know have uh, do a pretty much trial and error. So by allowing him to do that, 
that put him on the road. When he got to the big studios, he had an idea what he was doing. Exactly. You follow me? So, yes. you know, yeah. that, and those things are still important. Most kids don't have 2500 bucks to go to Ableton School. That's what it costs to go to Ableton School, okay? My buddy teaches right. up there, okay? It costs 2500 bucks to go for four or five weeks to do an intensive course on Ableton. I might take the class myself, tell you the truth. I'm thinking about it. But yeah. that's what you have to do to produce music nowadays, okay? So, but back then, so we, you didn't have that. Go ahead. Right. So, so let me ask you this. Like, um, we talking about back in the days and now in comparison to, to produce music. And we got the, you know, as a DJ, I, I started out on turntables, the Technique 1200s. I still use them, but I use, you know, like the Serratos and whatnot because, you know, I couldn't get most of the current music on vinyl anymore, so I had to adapt to the times. So um, what do you say, how would you view the, as we close, um, how would you view social media and the effectiveness as it is now um, with, with the music industry? How do you view social media, and how would it have changed the pathway that you were on if it was available at the time where you were producing records and the world-class wrecking crew was really getting started? If there were social media like it is now, how could that have increased or altered or hindered your progress? What is your view of social media? My view of the social media is I'm always on Facebook, yeah. Instagram. I don't do a lot of tweeting. And that's Donald Trump's thing. I don't really fuck with that too much. But um, <laughs> right, right. I, um, I, I think you had to have the transition from manual labor of promoting to be able to appreciate uh, social media. What I mean by that is when, as a promoter, I'm used to having to spend $300 on posters, another 40 bucks on nails, uh, pay my guys another um, X amount of dollars to hang up the posters plus gas, hang up posters to pack the club out, okay, uh, plus flyers, plus the graphic design, plus printing. And now you just get somebody to make you a flyer and you post it. And if you yeah. post it enough to the right, in the right groups, you might get people to show up, okay. But it takes more. Back then it was more labor intensive. Now it's more time intensive. And um, I just think it might have been different, but you had to have one to appreciate the other one for me. I appreciate social media a lot of a lot of ways because it, it ain't as back breaking. You just have to have people, you gotta have time to do what needs to be done. Right. Okay? Right. I think it would probably would have if if um Easy was around when social media was around, he'd be bigger than what he is now. Same thing with Tupac, you know. Um if you got something to say, because we never Understand this. Most of the stuff that we did, that NWA did initially, was never intended to go mainstream. They were looking to be underground, okay? Right. It's just that uh -huh. after the Rodney King verdict and the, and the L.A. riots, that record, Fuck the Police, became, got, got so much attention, and the FBI letter took them to another level, and next thing you know, they were from Canadian getting booed back in the day. They got booed. They, people wasn't checking for them. It was wow. not. It was not. It was not be it was not easy being NWA and Easy E back in the day. Okay? They was running over records just like you saw in the studio. They run I mean in the movie. They was running over running over their CDs and crushing their cassettes the whole nine yards. So after that the, the Rodney King verdict and and the riots, people like, Oh shit, they were telling the truth. Bam, the light comes on. Everything yep. changes. Okay? They go from being uh hated to heroes, okay? But the money wasn't wow. right, so that changed right. again. <laughs>
Now, all right, so you, you, let me say this right here. When okay. you, like I said before, when I did not know what I was doing and shit wasn't right, is one thing. But when you know what you're doing, you claim to be a mm-hmm. professional, whether you Jerry Heller or whoever the case may be, all right, and shit ain't right, and that's another problem. Okay, and that's what people have to understand. Okay, there was no excuse for that to fall apart. Okay, it just was greed and uh, just greed and disrespect. Okay, right. That was greed and disrespect broke up that the, the greatest greatest group of all time. But you also think they were because everybody was able to go off and do well. Most of everybody was able to go off and do things individually and still show their greatness. Right, right. Okay. Q, how, how Q blew up and he do his thing and Dre did too. Go ahead. No, well, I was gonna, I was going to ask you about Ice Cube, being, being that he was the young guy around, and now you see um, Ice Cube being this this big movie star, and now he has the you know the um, the, the big three basketball league, and he's doing all these these uh, entrepreneurial things. You know, um, it's it's amazing to see him go. I know it's uh, from your perspective. I know it has to be great to see you know guys go from kids to being these, you know, well-respected and, and you know, hard-working people. Uh, my, my thought was always this, though. Why, what happened with, like, as far as MC Ren and Yella's contribution to the whole movement? We don't have to spend too much time on that, but I know you have some type of a, you may have some type of insight that, you know, you have the big three. Like in the NBA, you got the big three on basketball teams. You got to have to win a championship. We always focus on the big three. And in this situation, we got Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, Easy E. But then you got Arabian Prince, who was part of that situation. We got Yella and Ren. How come they didn't have too much of a, you know, it, their 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 position wasn't as prominent? If you could speak on that just really quickly. Well, um, Yella Yella was like Ringo from the Beatles. You know, he was he was cool, but he wasn't he wasn't Paul McCartney, nor was he uh, John Lennon. Okay. He was like Ringo, you know. He was there playing the drums. He was writing a lot of songs. He rode the he he rode uh, he rode in the car of the success of NWA, but he was probably in the trunk most of the time. But even if you're in the trunk, you still you still in the car, okay? Still in the car, right? Uh, Ren, talented cat. Um, I, I think Ren's kind of heart may have changed at some point in time, where it's not really he really wasn't feeling like he used to. You know, with Easy being dead, Dre gone, Cube gone. Sometimes it could take. It, it, it may not be your heart may not be where it used to be. Okay, right. I don't know for sure. That's just my interpretation. Arabian right. Prince, Ar- Arabian Prince, been in more groups than Johnny Gill. <laughs> right. Okay. Arabian <laughs> Prince was uh, he's a solo artist. He later he later became uh, a member of Bobby Jimmy and the Critters. Yep. He produced yep. Jimmy Fast Supersonic. He tours with them right now, and he was a part of NWA. Okay. Arabian Prince is one of them cats. He's like Lonzo. He's like Lonzo. Lonzo does entertainment. Arabian does tech shit. You know, so he he owns VR companies and he's into that kind of thing. So he don't he don't worry about the NWA. I mean, he left because the money wasn't right. He was a he was an independent artist before he was a member of NWA. So he he knew what he was entitled to. So right. when he when he realized his money wasn't right, he left. Arabian, I think he, I think Arabian is probably the only one with a college degree, if I ain't mistaken. Okay. Um, no hope, but I think because we we spoke about that, he, he did go to college, but you know, I don't know if he got a degree or not. But he was the only one that had any college behind him, so he understood 
money, royalties, where's mine at? Okay, so when he realized it wasn't right, he you know he sued and got his money and got on. Okay, and yeah, he never stopped. Yeah. He never looked back. He never looked back. He didn't have um, no regrets because he kept on doing what he was doing anyway. You follow me? So right. Um, this is kind of you know, and, and Cube. Cube has always been a child in the cat. Cube is a Gemini. He gon he gonna bounce back no matter what. When I sit back and, and I think about all the folks that came through here and um all the different groups I've mentored and worked with, you know, um when you when you check when you check the check the uh the the resume, ain't nobody got nothing bad about bad to say about Lonzo. Ain't nobody you never heard nobody no girl talking about I did this to him. That ain't what I do. Okay. Right. You ain't, all the all the women I mentored, you ain't never heard. They, they ain't go ain't gonna be no. Uh, unfortunately, I gotta say this: no African Mbada type shit. Or he did this to my daughter, my boy. Nope, ain't gonna be that. Okay. Right. And right, if right, they right. try that, you will have a thousand people stand up. That's bullshit. So that's why nobody ever had anything bad to say about me because I never did anything to hurt nobody. That's not my intention. Right. That's not the kind of cat I am. I've always been trying to help, never trying to hurt. Yeah. And and I can say, man, as we as we wrap it up, I was born and raised in San Francisco, California, and you may you don't you may I don't know you personally, but you've touched my life because you were able to give me um, the people that I listen to and that I've that, that have inspired me in music. You had something to do with um, when I, I remember hearing "Give Me Something to Dance To" for the first time, and I the beat was you know. It just locked me in, and I and that was you know a few years after the world class record crew. But give me something to dance to was my first introduction to NWA, um, and then I as I got older, I did my research and found out about world class record crew and how Dr. Dre came from that. Now he's this, this, and this. So I can say to I would like to say to you on behalf of anyone that you know is a young guy born in 1978 like myself, um, I want to say thank you, man, to to you for for giving me an inspiration, um, inadvertently inspiring what I do. As a DJ, I've, international, I've DJed internationally in Dubai and Abu Dhabi, and now I'm out here back in the United States, and it's all because of what, was, what I was inspired by as a kid, and I want to say thank you for that. And I also want to say thank you for stopping by and taking time out of your day, out of your morning, your afternoon, to come speak with us here at the um, John Doe Network, John Doe Entertainment, um, when it was hip-hop, Van Silk, Cool Kyle. And I just want to ask you right now if you have anything that you want to say to the people, one last thing, how they can get in contact with you, where they can buy your book, shout out your website or other social media resources that they can get with you. Uh, my, uh, my book is available on Amazon or on my website. My website is lonzowilliams.com. Um, if you go to my website and buy the book, you can get an autographed copy. I'll autograph it and have it shipped out to you directly. If you want to do a download, you can go to uh, Amazon or CreateSpace, NWA, not without Alonzo. My social media, all my social media, Real Lonzo NWA, that's two L's, Real Lonzo NWA. And check out my blog on my YouTube page. Uh, I, I do a thing called Lonzo Presents G-A-M-E. It's grown-ass man enlightenment, okay? And my my thing right now, my passion right now is to be a mentor. I've been a mentor to people, like you just said, I've been a mentor to guys I don't even know, and I, I understand how that is because some of my biggest mentors, I've never shaken their hands before, but I've watched them from a distance, and they influenced me by their movements and what they did, 
And I understand, I got to say this before, before I go, one of my biggest mentors was Lonnie Simmons from Total Experience Records. He had the Gap Band and Y'all Brother and Peoples. As a young kid, I, well, a young man, I, I'd go to his club, Total Experience Nightclub on Crenshaw, and I, I saw him get out of his Rolls Royce, walk into his nightclub, and while I'm in the nightclub, they introduced the first Gap Band album, Oops Upside Your Head. I'm like, oh, my God. And on Total Experience Records, they called him up on the stage, and I'm like, damn, that's the same dude got the Rolls Royce. He owned the club. He got a record label. So these are the kind of cats that I was influenced by. Now, I, t- right, okay. I, I, never, got, I, I never flashed Rolls Royce. If somebody had told me that day, I would have all that right there. I told you, ain't no way in the world it's going to happen. Okay? So you don't know. You don't know. You don't know. And like I tell people all the time, uh, anytime you're in the spotlight or anytime you got anybody's attention, it's like uh, being a role model is a byproduct of success, just like fire, smoke is a fire, uh, byproduct of fire. Anytime you see fire, you're going to see smoke. Anytime right. you're doing anything, what you're doing right now, some young man or woman or young girl is listening going, damn, my man, he, he, got, he, got, he, he gets everybody on his show. How can I do that? Okay? Right. And right. that's your job to show them how to do it. All right? That's right. Follow me, folks. That. Check me out. Check me out, Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter. You might not get much of that, but I'm actually on Facebook and Instagram, and I'm also on YouTube, Real Lonzo NWA. My website is LonzoWilliams.com, folks. All right, and there it is, 360 Bars Radio Show. Our special guest, the godfather of West Coast hip-hop, Lonzo Williams. Thank you so much for stopping by. Much love, Doc. Appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. We out. Peace.